Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231 is the Sickle CAI toll-free line, and the team here with you. And look, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. Enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We start things out with a guest. Haven't had him on in a couple months. Overdue for a dose of Jim Babka from DownsizeDC.org. Jim, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Well, it's good to be here. Let me turn you up there a little bit. Okay, it is good to have you as always. Uh, so Jim Babka, DownsizeDC.org. For our new listeners that are just tuning in tonight for the very first time, will you give them their initiation? What is DownsizeDC.org? Well, DownsizeDC.org is an army that's growing, that uh, is going to get so large that Congress cannot afford to ignore it, so large that we can get the message out of uh, small, limited government out everywhere, every day. Uh, we're doing this through a, uh, uh, starting off by, uh, by giving Congress a piece of our mind. And uh, we do this uh, not all by ourselves, but as a group. Uh, we have a mechanism at our website, DownsizeDC.org, that is simple, uh, free, easy to use. Uh, you simply go there. You look at the issues. Uh, we give you quick, up-to-date information that you can use uh, so you can get up to speed quickly. And then you can send a personalized message that's delivered simultaneously to your representative and two senators. Uh, it just takes a few minutes. The first time you do it, a couple extra minutes to register, you're all set from there. Uh, it's called DownsizeDC.org. And right now, 22,500 people receive our Downsizer Dispatch every day. And then uh, many of them go to work and communicate with their legislators. And uh, we are having an impact uh, right now uh, as they're attempting to uh, do warrantless spying on us. We've been part of a coalition that has been uh, standing up and saying, no, uh, we don't like the Protect America Act. We don't want replacements. And so far, we've managed to hold that off. Uh, the Protect America Act expired in February, despite the president's strong protestation. So this kind of pressure can work. And as we get bigger and as we get stronger, it'll become more effective. Normally, one of my critiques about the, this whole representative uh, republic that we have here is that the so-called representatives, they just don't even care what you have to say. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's really not possible for them to represent you in the first place. But that, that aside, uh, the, the downsized DC model has actually been successful, at, at, uh, at, to some extent, in some, on some issues at least, swaying things in the direction of freedom, or at least in the direction of stopping some expansion of government. And so it has been successful, and that's because it's not just you that's calling. It's, like you said, you've got 22,000 people on your email list. So when you send out an action item, when you send out something to the email list, to the downsizers, and you say, hey, we need you to go and do this on this particular item, you mentioned the Protect America Act, Thousands of those 22,000 people will go and send a message to their congressperson, usually probably within, what, 24, 48 hours of your originally yeah, sending and that they message. Yeah, and they become more dedicated each month. We have more people sending more messages every month, and the list continues to grow each month. It's in increments, and uh, uh, we're lo looking forward to the days that we're going to keep growing faster and faster. But uh, we've gotten off to a fantastic start this year. Uh, we're still a relatively young organization, and... You know, I envision, Ian, a point where we've got hundreds of thousands and then even millions of people who are getting that message every day and being activated uh, to give Congress a piece of their mind. The idea is basically that these Congress people, they're politicians, and what politicians are all about is whatever they perceive that people want, right? So if they perceive that people want slavery, they're going to give them slavery. If they perceive that people want freedom, they're going to give them, well, not yeah, give them freedom, but they're going to... opportunists. 
politicians right. are essentially opportunists, and you guys have uh, you you are in New Hampshire, and and I know some of your listeners are. You know, had a chance to get up close and personal with a lot of the presidential candidates, and and nearly all of them are uh, are people who want to give people things that they want, and they believe that by satisfying people's wants and desires, they will attract votes, and so. You know, we want to show them that there's a large body, a large constituency out there for the ideas we believe in. We also have learned uh, that uh, there's something out there called agenda-setting theory, which is the notion that uh, the media tells people, you know, only these ideas are really viable. Uh, And so what we want to do is two things. We're going to eventually begin reaching out to the media. That's going to be a next phase of our, of our, uh, our growth, where we're going to begin telling the media uh, what we think about things and beginning to open up that agenda to our ideas. Uh, but we also want to get to the point where the politicians just can't escape our ideas. They can't, you know, they can't ignore them. They can't duck them. Uh, they have to pay attention to things like our Read the Bills Act, Write the Laws Act, the One Subject at a Time Act, I Am Not Afraid. These are all campaigns that we've set up independent on our own to begin to change the dialogue or the discussion on key things like congressional incentives or the war on terror. It's excellent. Uh, you guys are doing good work, and I, I, I am somebody who thinks that Washington, D.C. Is, is pretty much a lost cause, but the one thing that I will do is I will do whatever uh, Downsize D.C. sends me yeah, you in know, the email. The same here, Jim, and I, I want to uh, I want to make uh, you know, increase the credibility of this just a, just a tiny bit. How much are you paying to be on here? How much am I paying to be on there? Yeah, right here on, on, uh, on the air. Nothing. Nothing. Of course you aren't, because we really do believe in downsize DC. Um, <laughs> you, you send your you send your updates out. Oh, maybe three, four times a week, something like that. Yes. And uh, it's it's th- th- it tells you right in the title what it is that uh, you know c- the Congress, what sort of nefarious plan Congress is about um, at that particular time, and uh, what you can do about it. A click here link. You you sign in. It's 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 fast as it could be. I'm not very internet savvy. This is uh, you know if it's not easy, I can't do it. And you know you just go in there. You you, you have a the, the, there's a short little message to your Congress critters and your uh, senator there, and um, you you can write a, a a little more if you want, and it's usually good too. And and off it goes, and then you have an opportunity if if there's uh, some other people that it, this issue might be important to, you can uh, you can send that message to them, and I'm sure that's a good way that you expand your 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 reach. But uh, I I think it's a great uh, great easy, and it does seem like you guys have had some effect, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And I would hope that even those uh, those messages that you're getting here during the week, the downsides of dispatch. Uh, that you find them lively and uh, sometimes even entertaining, but definitely uh, factual and interesting. We try to get out the the, uh, the word in a condensed package. Uh, we don't waste a lot of motion. We try to give you just the facts, um, but still in an entertaining, lively way, and let you do what you, you know. Let you do your part as a citizen, and then go about your business the rest of the day. Uh, people shouldn't have to be thinking about politics 24/7, keeping an eye on Washington. Uh, we're, we're trying to help them do that and, uh, and leverage their time so they can go spend their time with their family or their, on their careers or wherever else uh, uh, is their pleasure. Now, Jim, you've, uh, Downsize DC has a particular bill that they're trying to get through that I, I find the, the most exciting thing that I've heard about going on in Washington in, in years is the, uh, the Read the Bills Act. Um, mm-hmm. How is that going? Well, you know, we're, you know, we're going to continue to plug away. This is we're asking Congress with the Read the Bills Act to actually read their bills before they pass them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also asking them to post the bills online for seven days for the public to be able to see, just like and, and to give them adequate time to read as well uh, before they cast their final vote. 
Uh, these are things that they don't want to do. This is going to take an awful large army to get this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we've reached a point now where they know what the Read the Bills Act is on Capitol Hill. Uh, I called a senator's office uh, not too long ago, or a congressman's office, excuse me, not too long ago, uh, to talk to a staffer there, and I said, oh, I'm with Downsize D.C. He goes, oh, we know who you are. Yep. You know, <laughs> and, uh, so, the, the Read the you know, Bills Act is really like um, you know, asking, uh, asking roaches to do shots of raid. I mean, they, these, these guys <laughs> don't want anything to do with uh, the, the public, the American people, reining them in. Can you imagine how reasonable it is to ask Congress, the Congress people that are voting on these bills, <laughs> to, in fact, read the bills they're voting on? But they it's, don't. It's very reasonable, and and you know, it's, it's what's infuriating is that they don't read these bills, but we are required to live under them, <laughs> and so so we want to get them into that position where they're reading the bills, and and it relates to downsized DC because if they have to pause and they have to have these bills read out loud in the chamber of the House and the Senate before they can go forward, if they have to wait seven days before they can actually cast their final vote, they will slow down, or they will begin to sweat the details, and they'll begin making choices as opposed to just passing every single thing that gets shoved in front of them. You know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, you mentioned that uh, one of the staffers knew who you were, and, and Downsize DC has now been around for a handful of years at this point. I'm just curious as to how that has changed from the very beginning, and if you can explain that to us, hang on, Jim. 800-259-9231, what has the progress been like? for Downsize D.C. over the last few years? How have they grown? How has the influence become? Because I think I can see an example of what things might end up being like for Downsize D.C. going on right here in New Hampshire. I'll explain here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on this site are free, so enjoy them, including the wiki over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. It's wiki.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials there, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. All right, we go back to Jim Babka. He is on the line with us from DownsizedDC.org, which is a great organization, probably really the only, I think, one of the the few, if not the only organization, actually doing something worthwhile uh, in D.C. there. You're actually gathering people together. Uh, digitally, online, uh, for an, to create an army, in the, and that was a word that you used, Jim. And the purpose is to have these people get get active by sending uh, messages through your digital system at DownsizedDC.org to their so-called representatives and senators, letting them know that they care about liberty and they, they support the pro-liberty position on whatever the given issue is at, at any time. And DC has certainly tackled a number of them over the last few years. It's an amazingly simple system, uh, and so if people are concerned with liberty in our lifetimes at the, the national level, they really should go to DownsizedDC.org and get involved. I was curious, Jim, what, what has the progress been over the years? I mean, you mentioned before that uh, a, a Senate staffer said something to you about knowing Downsize DC or knowing of Downsize DC. What was it like in the beginning compared to now, and how long has it been? Well, we got started in July of 2004, and, and to give you kind of a snapshot of, of, uh, of our growth here, uh, I, I happen to have this data handy, so I just yanked it out when I knew you were going to say this, uh, or you were going to ask me about this. 
In the first quarter of 2005, we registered 1,300 people. In the first quarter of 2006, we registered just a little more than that, 1,344. Mm -hmm. In 07, it shot up to 2,009. And in the first quarter this year, which we're still not quite done with, it's already at 2,950. Yeah, that's pretty good. So the number of people we're bringing in is continuing to go up. But here's the number that I'm really excited about. How many messages are we sending to Congress? In February of 2005, it was 6,285. In uh, in 06, it was 11,253 that month. In 07, last year, it was 19,206. So it's pretty exciting. It's growing. This year, it was 51,390. You mean 2007? I'm sorry, in in 2008. Oh, wow. In 2008. We went from from just under 20,000 to just over 50,000. That's a huge leap. And... and, uh, What's happening is that the people on our list, you know, not everybody sticks around. I mean, we do send those messages out three, four times a week. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Some mm-hmm. people actually complain that we send too many messages. We say, great, uh, nice to meet you, and on we go. There you go. Uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, and we're thrilled that, you know, not everybody wants to stick around. We want people who want to go, who want what we want. And uh, that number keeps going up every month as well. But uh, the people that stick around are more intense than the people who leave. And uh, we just keep getting stronger and stronger. And and, uh, we will become a force that's going to be impossible for Congress to ignore. Now, Jim, let me me play the cynic here for a moment. Uh, Okay, you're sending online messages. How do we know they're not just spam blocking uh, the downsized D.C. stuff? Well, that's that's an interesting thing. because, number one, they do, in many cases, uh, you get some insurance because they send you a, a letter, uh, a constituent form letter, mm. uh, that says that your message has been counted. Uh, but, you know, these, the members of Congress are, are in a very sensitive position, and they recognize that they need to treat constituents who are paying attention to an issue. They need to treat them well. Uh, this is how incumbency works. There's entire staffs devoted to uh, dealing with constituent concerns. And uh, in some cases, in some of the bigger states, you would be amazed at how big these staffs are, uh, how many interns and how many different people they have uh, just there to address constituent concerns. And so uh, they do count these messages in every office, and they report the results to the boss in the morning. And we have seen some dramatic conversion stories. One of my favorites, uh, two of my favorites actually, came during the immigration debate last June. Uh, here was something they, they, they tried to run it, ram it through the first time. They came back and they added real ID provisions. And we got on board and said, no, this just this, this can't stand. And uh, the country, I mean, it wasn't just us. There were a lot of people demonstrating proof of concept for us that had nothing to do with downsized D.C. They shut the Capitol switchboard down. And uh, two interesting senators' stories. One was Trent Lott, who stood up and said that talk radio needed to be regulated because it had become too powerful. Hmm. They were getting people to actually contact their congressmen, and this was wrong. And, <laughs> but, he, but, he, but he changed his vote. And Senator George Voinovich of Ohio, who broke, oh, practically broke down in tears on the Senate floor, saying that he wanted to help the, you know, and, and do the right thing in immigration, but he had been threatened and bullied and abused by the people back home. <laughs> and uh, so he switched his vote. So, you know, these were guys that were on the other side of the fence, you know, and one of them switched their vote. I'm sorry, Trent Lott did not. I'm looking at my, my notes here. Trent Lott did not. But, uh, uh, you know, he complained about it. He squealed about it. He knew that it had, had an effect. And George Voinovich flip-flopped as a result of this because they didn't want to stand up to the public pressure. We, we're not saying now, at downsized D.C.'s present size, that – uh, we're something for Congress to really fear today at this very instant. Mm. 
But every battle that we enter, our number one goal isn't to win. It's to emerge bigger and stronger because we know that someday bigger and stronger means we win. It's uh, it's something that is working so far. As you've said, the numbers continue to go up. More people continue to participate. And uh, if I might, I'd like to just sort of uh, give you an example of something that's going on here in, in New Hampshire, just in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, you know about the Free State Project. You've been up here a couple of times to speak at the Free State Project's Liberty Forum, which has been excellent, of course. And uh, you know the the caliber of the uh, the activists that that we have up here. We've basically got downsized New Hampshire, but with people in person, uh, as opposed to people just sending messages uh, through the internet, which is what you have to do. I mean, it's D.C. Nobody's going to go and take it. Very few people are actually going to bother taking a trip to D.C. But here in New Hampshire, our our activists, uh, the, the, you know, there are some that are that are very very politically minded. Some are working in the marketplace to uh, to achieve liberty. There's very different things going on here. But on the political side of things, they are so well organized and so effective at what they're doing. And it's only the very beginning here as well. But what we've seen is that if somebody you know basically crosses the liberty activists, they come down like anything unlike anything these politicians have ever seen they've never they've never experienced what they're experiencing right now and that is this incredibly high level of uh, citizen involvement in government they can't th- th- there's wherever, an organization wherever here wherever we go whenever i go to the capitol to um here in concord uh to to you know look at a bill we're almost the only ones there yeah. citizens are not involved in their uh electoral process no it was the, the free staters that, process. it was the free staters that were there to to uh, to fight the smoking ban unfortunately we didn't win that one uh but it was also the free staters that were there to fight the uh the seatbelt the the new seatbelt reg, uh, le- uh, legislation they were looking at passing that we did actually defeat that and uh, like you said Mark they come out and they pack these rooms they pack these hearing rooms and these guys have never seen this before and they don't know quite how to deal with it but they do know that the uh, the elections are coming soon and uh, they better pay attention to what the uh, the liberty activists are saying and doing because if they don't it could be the, very well the liberty activists that uh, result in them getting voted out of office so we've we've seen that level of interaction being so successful here with a relatively small amount of people participating you're doing the same thing on a national level so you're going to need more people but I think you can. we'll see that kind of success with Downsize DC as well as things continue to grow. In fact, I'd like you to comment on that and also tell us what's coming I, I, soon. You know, I, I couldn't Hang on, agree Jim. More, Hang on, Jim. I, Short on time. Okay. Hang on. 800-259-9231. More with Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is your show. Bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Both free for you. So enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. Attention libertarians. This summer, the Institute for Humane Studies will be holding 14 seminars on liberty and libertarian thought at locations across the country. If you're a college student or recent graduate and interested in thoughtful discussion and challenging lectures, we want you to attend. Participation is free. Apply by March 31st. Find out more at libertarianseminars.com. That's libertarianseminars.com. On the line with Jim Babka, the president of DownsizedDC.org, great organization that is out there helping you lobby the so-called representatives in Washington to actually 
at least not continue to pass more damaging legislation and hopefully maybe advance liberty a little bit. Uh, and, and basically, Jim, uh, what you're doing, I think there's a proof of concept that it's that it will work eventually in D.C. by what's happening here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. It's easier for us to have success here because, well, there's just there's just not as much government uh, and they're more responsive here. So we've seen that even just a few activists getting active and letting these people know that they're watching and that they're 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 out there ready to pounce uh, when these when these guys try to pull something. There's an organization here called the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that literally is reading every single piece of legislation these guys try to to slip through. And so they can't slip anything by us anymore here. We've got all eyes on them, and they know it now. And I, it does seem to be changing their behavior somewhat, Jim. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I got to meet some of the people that, are, that have put together the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance there, which is putting out the report card and, and getting the word out about what's going on up there. I was very impressed with your leadership and, and uh, the people that are doing this and, and how many people have already gotten involved in taking the part and making this happen uh, right there in the state. And I have people contact me all the time and say, can we start a, uh, a downsized D.C. You know, group in our state where we start focusing on the state capital? And I say, well, yes, you know, go ahead, you know, get something going. <laughs> uh, uh, because in New Hampshire, you guys are setting the model, and uh, that's, that's the example I point to. Uh, it is happening there, and you are doing it, and you are providing proof of concept. So I think it will happen for Downsize D.C., but it's going to require a lot more people. They're starting to notice you at this point, and you've only got 22,000 people on your email list. So what's it going to be like when there are 200,000 people there, or as you say, 2 million people uh, well, on your list? Well, I can give you a little glimpse of what it will be like. I mean, one of the things that's going to start to happen is you'll start to see us pop up in other places, and you'll start running into people uh, that you didn't know before who you will find out are also D.C. downsizers like you. You'll start to see our advertising or hear our advertising or view our advertising on, on your computer or wherever, that you'll start seeing that start to pop up. And more and more people will be, will be assembling to the message. And so as that, that message will keep seeming like it's gotten larger and larger and larger, and eventually it will be so loud that uh, Congress won't be able to, to ignore it, the media won't be able to ignore it, and uh, we will be part of the national debate. And I believe our ideas just need a seat at the table, and they'll win. I'm with you on that one, Jim. Uh, so what's coming soon for Downsize D.C.? Beyond more expansion and growth, uh, what do you guys have planned? Well, we are, we are hopefully in the final stages. I've thought this before, but uh, hopefully we really are in the final stages of a, a grand website redesign that's going to uh, solve a lot of problems that people have had. We've, we've been working with the original site that we started with, uh, and uh, it uh, was, you know, <laughs> it's like the college car that you held together with Bondo and bailing wire. Uh, it got us, it was very serviceable. It got us to where we needed to go. Uh, but now we need a system that's much more robust to deal with some of the challenges Congress is throwing at us. And that ensures that your message gets there and it can handle a lot more messages and has more, some more user features. Uh, we're going to be doing some things over at our sister organization, the Downsize DC Foundation, that are going to be very exciting uh, that are going to provide some real educational opportunities and a chance to, to get a little bit more philosophical with our friends in a way that's, uh, that's going to be clever, may bring a smile to their face, uh, bring, create an interesting discussion, the kind of discussions we haven't had before. But the most important thing, the thing I'm most excited about uh, in that whole project is we're going to begin putting together uh, an effort to lobby the media just like we lobby Congress every day. Uh, we're going to begin educating the media is probably a much better phrase for it because, you know, they report a lot of things as if they're fact that really aren't so, like this 47 million people that don't have health care. It's actually 45 million that are uninsured 
And uh, after you take out the illegal aliens and the people who are young and, and, and have chosen to, to, to be so, uh, you get down to a level of about 4 million people who are really in need. But that's not the number that's reported uh, by the media every night. They, pr- they promote this much more hyped number. It's things like that that we want to begin to educate them on. We're going through this financial crisis right now. They're focused exclusively on subprime. There's a number of other factors, including how the money supply is generated in this country. We mm-hmm. want to give an oppor- We want to put those ideas in circulation at places other than maybe uh, a couple select business shows. And so, uh, well, there's gonna certainly going to be that. no shortage of targets for you there, Jim. I mean, there's oh, so no. so much no, to, to choose from. And also, I think you <laughs> might actually have more success faster with the media approach simply because they are just more tuned into the marketplace. These politicians, they can only respond to the market once every four years or every two years, depending on what the office is. And that's when they, you know, you you know how politicians work. They pretend like they care what you have to say while they're trying to get elected. And then for the next four years, they pretend like you don't exist. Uh, and then all of a sudden they have a, they, you know, give you another ear when they're ready to get elected again. So it's much harder to actually, uh, to, to bring politicians around just because they they, they just don't listen that much, uh, whereas the media, if they perceive like they're going to lose an advertiser or if they're going to lose a significant chunk of viewership, then they might just change. Right, and so that's going to be our plan to go forward and do that. It's going to, it's going to be several, quite a few months down the road before we're fully up and running in this area, but we're going to mm-hmm. get that going, and uh, that's the next big thing that we're going to be working on after we've launched this brand-new website, which is just going to be really beautiful. It's going to work better. And uh, it's going to have some new features that people are really going to enjoy. Pretty exciting. As always, Jim, it's good having you on the show. Mark, any uh, thoughts for Jim while we've got him here? Uh, you know, I just encourage people to uh, sign up for the Downsizer Dispatch. I enjoy it. Yeah, head on over to DownsizedDC.org and get interactive with Downsized DC. It's a great group. And, Jim, you're a good man. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you very much. You guys are great guys, too. It's always fun to be on here. i got to do this more often. <laughs> Appreciate it, sir. Have a good night. Bye-bye. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Let's talk jury nullification, Mark. Uh, once again, it kind of ties into the downsized DC thing in that uh, there there are ways to get these people to notice us, to get them to pay attention, these government people. And jury nullification is one of those ways, wherein the juries of America, they have a secret right, if you will, the right of a juror. The secret is you get to judge the law. When you're sitting on a case and the judge tells you you have to judge the case by the facts of the case, how they're presented, you know, preponderance of the evidence and all that, and what the judge tells you, well, that much might be true. But you also have the ability to just say not guilty based on the fact that you don't like the law. So if you're on a drug case, for instance, and you're like us and you want to end the war on drugs, you can help end it right there by saying not guilty. And letting that person go, even though the evidence is clear he was a drug dealer or clear he had marijuana in his pocket or whatever the evidence was, doesn't matter how damning the evidence. What matters is what you think about the law, and that's what jury nullification is about. Well, it turns out, apparently, in Texas, according to the Marijuana Policy Project, recently there's been quite a success. In fact, uh, Marijuana Policy Project is calling this a landmark acquittal in a medical marijuana case. Here it is. Uh, actually, it's taking place in Long Island, even though it's a Texas patient. Texas patient who uses medical marijuana, I guess it was written in Long Island. Anyway, a Texas patient who uses medical marijuana 
to treat the symptoms of HIV won acquittal on marijuana possession charges March 25th based on a necessity defense. Though such a defense, which requires the defendant to establish that an otherwise illegal act was necessary to avoid imminent harm more serious than the harm prevented by the law he or she broke, has rarely been successful in Texas. This time, the jury took just 11 minutes to acquit Tim Stevens, 53 years old. The trial was hotly contested. He'd never been in trouble until Amarillo police arrested him for possessing less than four grams of marijuana. As a result of his HIV infection, Stevens suffers from nausea and cyclical vomiting syndrome, a condition so severe that he's required hospitalization and blood transfusions in the past. Extensive research has established medical marijuana as an effective treatment for nausea and vomiting associated with HIV and AIDS and cancer uh, chemotherapy. Uses recently acknowledged by the uses recently acknowledged by the prestigious American College of Physicians, and there's a little bit more about this case here. And apparently, jury nullification was a factor. We'll come back with more of this and one prosecutor's thoughts on jury nullification. Apparently, he doesn't like it too much. We'll get to that here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And also, you need to know that Soviet, Soviet central planning does not work. So what's the best way to reach out to Liberty Lovers, Google Ads, Direct Mail, Free Talk Live? Only you know what's best. You choose what project is worthy of your dollar. Go to freestateproject.org slash donate and choose how you want to contribute. That's freestateproject.org slash donate. Uh, once again, if you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping with us at the Free Talk Live store. It's store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise and more all there at store.freetalklive.com. So a uh, Texas landmark medical marijuana case. According to the Marijuana Policy Project, Tim Stevens, 53-year-old AIDS patient. He has H. Actually, I guess he doesn't have AIDS. He has HIV at this point. Anyway, he uh, has nausea and vomiting as a result of his treatment for HIV, and so he smokes marijuana to help suppress the nausea. Many people have found that uh, in this particular case, that uh, with, with uh, HIV virus and that kind of thing, they uh, they they get some relief out of uh, smoking marijuana, and they get it uh, faster and more effectively than they do by taking the drug Marinol. It's true. So they caught him. The cops busted him with less than four grams of marijuana, arrested him. He went to court. Four grams? Yep. It's not even any. It's barely an eighth. And uh, so they arrested him. He went to court, and he used the necessity defense, which basically says he needed to use marijuana you know, to the point where it would have done more damage to him had he not used the marijuana. And that was the defense he used. I'm sure the prosecution attempted to reject that. And the first place I heard about this was from the Fully Informed Jury Association. So Marijuana Policy Project doesn't actually mention jury nullification here in uh, the story. But basically, the jury took 11 minutes to acquit Mr. Stevens. So he walked out of the courtroom a free man after that, even though it was very clear he was violating the marijuana possession law. Uh, it says here, the uh, the common sense and decency exhibited by this jury is typical of what we see from voters around the country. 
Said the Marijuana Policy Project representative, the American public doesn't want to see seriously ill patients arrested and jailed for simply trying to stay alive with the help of medical marijuana. It's time for legislators in Texas and around the country to follow the public's lead and take action to protect patients right. I've heard, so that I, no one has to live in fear of arrest. I've seen numbers between 75 and 85 percent of the Americans believe that if you're uh, seriously ill and you've been prescribed marijuana uh, by a doctor, that you should be able to use it. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, uh, jury nullification, again... I mean, hold on. You know that doctors can prescribe heroin to people? They can still pre- prescribe cocaine, too. Why the hell can't they prescribe marijuana? I mean, these are doctors, right? We, we're supposed to put all this trust in them. Not that I necessarily do, mm-hmm. but that's the idea. That's the, that's the press out there, that these guys have the power to prescribe. Why in the world can't they prescribe smoking marijuana? One more uh, quote here from the MPP rep. He says... Or actually, this is the lawyer. Even in a very conservative part of a very conservative state, jurors were willing to listen to the facts about medical marijuana and give Tim a break. I hope this case will help create a trend in Texas. I, I certainly hope so, too, because he's certainly not the only person in Texas that's using marijuana for medicinal purposes, and likely many of them are just frightened to death of having their lives ruined by an arrest and a conviction, and so this might set a trend. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it, certainly, and, and let you know if it does or not. But what's important here is the jury nullification aspect of this, and that is that the jury, in the face of the very obvious law that criminalizes marijuana use, came back and nullified the uh, the law. They came back and let this man walk out of court. So it can be done. Juries can nullify. It is still legal in America for jurors to uh, to nullify a law by voting not guilty, and it should continue to be done. But one prosecutor has something else to say about that, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah, I've got. Uh, <clears throat> it's not really a news story. It's uh, it, it it's a blog post by uh, uh, Mark Bennett, and it's uh, it's actually uh, from Bennett and Bennett dot com. He. Uh, you know, he's, he's, it's, it's called Defending People, and it's the art and science of criminal defense trial lawyering, I guess. Well, quite an art and science there. The art and science of telling lies. Either side of the So wait, line. is he a defense attorney or a prosecutor? I think he's a, prosecutor. He's a defense attorney. But the, 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 the post is... Let me read it. Okay. Me. Okay. Um, Mark goes on here. The following was sent to me by a prosecutor who wishes to rem- remain anonymous. I disagree with him. I think he's missing at least one essential point. The jury nullification is the law, so that a nullifying verdict is a verdict according to the law. But he's not entirely crazy, and I thought I'd toss it out for discussion. Um, And, you know, there's all kinds of comments on here. But uh, the uh, prosecutor says, I just can't leave this one alone. I feel compelled to address the completely outrageous, legally and factually unjustifiable act you and the writers of Wire, I guess Wire is a... uh, Some TV show, right? TV show on... HBO or Showtime or something mm-hmm. like that. Some, some some channel I don't get. But uh, they were they've been en- encouraging nullification. So let's not discuss free will, etc. We'll leave all um, the admittedly dubious merits of the war on drug out of this war on drugs out of this for a moment. Let's talk about the one thing and the one thing only: jury nullification. Now this is the prosecutor and who disagrees with it. Can you please explain to me how jury nullification is not a gross and unconscionable violation of a juror's oath? As you well know, in Texas, and I suspect most most other states as well, the jurors must swear prior to being impaneled that they will um, a true and verdict a true verdict render based on the law and the evidence presented. Read those words closely, and if I've left any out, please let me know. It doesn't say unless I disagree with the law in question or unless I'm against the war on drugs. It doesn't mention jury nullification or even civil disobedience. 
The Zenger case is often trotted out as the ultimate example of jury nullification, but somehow I doubt the jurors in that case ever took such a specific oath. Modern jurors are promising in very specific terms that they are going to render a true verdict based on the law and the facts presented. That was what I was going to speculate. I'm no law expert. I, uh, you know, just an average guy here. But when I first heard him saying, well, the jury takes an oath, the first thing I thought was, well, did they always take that oath? And if not, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like they did not always take that Mm -hmm. oath. It seems to me like they've created that oath to misdirect the jury to believe that they have to follow the oath, and that's the only rule that there is, as opposed to jury nullification, which is still out there and still legitimate. Well, you know, I don't know if jury nullification is, in fact, a law anywhere on the books. I suspect it is, simply because there are so many laws on the books. But, and, and you know, these all the laws, the laws that they passed in 1782 are still valid. I thought it was a constitutional thing, but what do I know? I don't think it's in the Constitution. Okay. You would know I, better than I. I didn't. I haven't seen it in there. Jury nullification ignores all three of those things. The verdict will not be true, but it will, in fact, be intentionally, knowingly, and will, uh, willfully, and I might add, go outside of the men's race, blatantly false. The jury nullification verdict will not be based on the law because it sets out to disregard the law because it is viewed as immoral, wrong, etc., Finally, the jury nullification verdict will most certainly not be based on the facts, because it chooses to ignore these facts as a matter of course. Well, it's based on the facts. It's just... Anyway, I disagree with that particular point, but you know, the, the guy has, has an interesting point here, and um, I, I, I would like to know if there's a jury nullification law um, on a national uh, basis or in specific uh, states. I mean, I'm, I'm just interested in this. How, then, do proponents of jury nullification justify their position that modern jurors are legally authorized to employ this fancifully archaic concept? Is it simply understood that the whole juror's oath is all but subterfuge, and that the renegade juror must engage in this deception as a means to an end? That's what we've said on this show, essentially. The writers of the, The Wire, in advocating the actions that they have, are essentially promoting the commission of a crime. Good. Had had they made the statements contained in the uh, Time magazine article in Texas, then they would almost certainly be guilty of aggravated perjury um, if they had done it in Texas. Outrageous? No. How dare I suggest that the exercise of their First Amendment rights could possibly constitute a crime? Pretty easily, actually. Just look at the law. Perjury and aggravated perjury are defined as follows. Perjury. A person uh, commits an offense if... Uh, With intent to deceive and with knowledge of the statement's meaning, he makes a false statement under oath or swears um, to the truth of a false statement made previously made, and the uh, statement is required or authorized by uh, by law to be made under oath. That doesn't sound like perjury to me. But aggravated perjury is a person commits an offense if he commits perjury as defined in section, uh, you know, whatever that's above, um, and the... and the false statement is made during or in connection with an official proceeding and is material. B, an offense under this section is a felony of the third degree. No, what? no. If if you would have said that in Texas, if, if, they, if they made the statement um, contained in the Time Magazine article in Texas, they are not under oath at any point. So I just don't see how that's going to be perjury or aggravated perjury. Yeah. Anyway, he's got a little bit more here. Okay, 800-259-9231. Prosecutors don't like jury nullification. What a shock. 
You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. We'll get the rest from him. Also talk to John in Salem and take your calls about whatever you want. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. You take control at 800-259-9231. Hour number two is coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy them on us again, freetalklive.com. As we launch here into hour number two of the program, we last hour we're discussing jury nullification. We're going to continue that discussion here uh, of course, if you're just tuning in, you don't know what jury nullification is, Mark, would you give it a uh, explanation? It's the, the inherent right, the thousand-year-old right of juries to judge the law itself. So they can decide that a law itself is uh, immoral or unconstitutional or whatever mm-hmm. and find a, a, a defendant innocent based on that. good example would be uh, in the Prohibition era, many juries would not convict people of alcohol possession. Correct. Also, slavery, I believe, uh, involved uh, stopping slavery involved jury nullification. Yeah, in escaped slaves or something like that. Yeah, they wouldn't convict escaped slaves either. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, I've been reading this, uh, you know, post by a prosecutor here, and, and uh, he's he's very upset. Yeah, he's he's upset. He's claiming that uh, that jury nullification is a violation of the oath that uh, people take. So therefore, it's a violation of the law itself because you know you're perjuring yourself, and. Um, I, you know, the the oath that they take in Texas, he gives right here. Just want to rattle that off real quick. Um, unless, let's see, a true verdict render based on the law and the uh, evidence presented. And, uh, you know, the, the, what he's sort of uh, saying is that, uh, you know, you're lying. Um, you're lying that you're not going to, uh, you know, give a, a true verdict. But the fact is that jury nullification is the law. And uh, yeah, it's based on the law. Right, right, right here from Wikipedia. Um, I've done some research on this during the break. Jury nullification is a is de facto and traditional power of juries, not normally uh, disclosed to jurors by the system um, when they are instructed as to rights and duties. The power of jury nullification derives from an inherent quality of most modern common law systems, a general uh, unwillingness to inquire into jurors' motivations during and after deliberations. So it's it's part of common law, therefore part of part of U.S. law, mm-hmm. simply because... And there's a know, lot of case history to back it up. That's what it's based on. And as a matter of fact, I, I can rattle off a few for you if you like. It'd be uh, U.S. Uh, versus Doherty Dar- in 1972 uh, gave... You know, it said that the that in fact uh, it affirmed the de facto power of jury to nullify the law, but up, upheld the denial of the defense's chance to instruct the jury about the power to nullify. So it said the juries do have the power to nullify, but the defense could be um, uh, you know kept from instructing the jury that they have the power to nullify, which is crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing was done apparently in Moylan versus uh, U.S. versus Moylan in '69. Same with uh, Sparf in 1895. Uh, there's also U.S. versus Fenwick, uh, which said that uh, essentially it upheld the right of the defense to argue against the law itself, and with uh, Stinius versus U.S. in 1839. So the, this is legal. It's legal 
So what more does this uh, prosecutor have to say? Okay. Good break. The writers of The Wire are telling their readers to premeditate. Premedit- I thought it was a TV show. Oh, they, they write it? Oh, he said they're telling their readers. Never mind. It, maybe he just got it wrong. Maybe. I don't know. I, th- okay. I thought it was maybe a TV I got show, it too. I thought it was a TV show. Anyway, somebody will tell us if we're wrong. Um, <laughs> if it's popular uh, culture stuff, we don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyway. Readers uh, to uh, premeditatedly uh, violate this statute. By taking the juror's oath, a juror who plans on engaging in jury nullification is making a false statement under oath, and the statement could hardly be more material to the proceeding. The elements of perjury are thus met. The violation is even more uh, egregious since it is planned out in advance. The jurors enter the courtroom having already formed the intent to commit jury nullification in narcotics cases, regardless of the evidence save for a prosecution Boo-hoo. in which acts of violence or intended violence are alleged. Of course, according to the sancto, um, sanctimonious and high-minded drivel put out in the article, since it's uh, premeditated, the juror's oath is false, and the moment the jury nullification juror is taking it. So why are the wire writers guilty? Texas law further provides. Okay. Criminal responsibility for conduct of another. A person is criminally responsible for an offense committed by the conduct of another if acting with an... Intent to promote or assist in the commission of the offense he solicits, encourages, directs, aids, or attempts to aid the other person to commit the offense. So that would mean that uh, by this prosecutor's definition, if there were a, f- a fully informed jury association protest or outreach event going out on going on outside the courthouse, handing the potential jurors uh, information to help educate them about jury nullification would also be considered I don't a violation. Think, I don't think necessarily in informing uh, people of the thousand-year-old right to jury nullification mm-hmm. is not the same as encouraging them to nullify in drug cases. What the Wire writers did is said that we can solve this terrible war on drugs with jury nullification. You know, you can tell this guy's a prosecutor. Look what he's doing. He's trying to come up with various different things to charge these people with. And, you know, really, really this, is, this is how the system screws Americans, screws people, is these lawyers, you know, good, the, the good ones and the bad ones, the ones on the right side of the issue, the ones on the wrong side of the issue, and they all end up on the wrong side of some issue or another, I'm mm-hmm. sure. These lawyers, you know, they write these, these laws. They write these laws. All the uh, elected representatives out there, they're lawyers, too. We're ruled by these people that write this crap down and then tell us we've got to obey it. Th- no. There's a thousand-year-old right of juries to nullify, and I don't care what you say about it, Mr. Prosecutor. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't care either. In fact, if even if it is illegal to nullify a verdict, I still would encourage people to do it because then it's just great civil disobedience. Well, it's right here in the law. It's a de facto right of a juror to nullify. It's a de facto right. That means that it can't be taken away. Sorry. Well, even if they do take it away, do it anyway because that's what it's all about. It's about... Uh, if it beca- if it has to be civil disobedience to nullify, then let's make it civil disobedience to nullify. And, as long and as people are doing listen it. Listen to the sanctimonious crap this guy writes. The wire writers are here to put it bluntly, encouraging and directing their readers to break the law. And let's face it, that's exactly what jury nullification is. Breaking the law. Not to mention breaking cares your, about oath, your damn lying, law? and a host of other things your mother probably told you not to do. You're a prosecutor. Who the hell are you to tell me not to do what my mother didn't tell me what to do? I mean, you're a stinking prosecutor. You take your paycheck from the state. You're receiving stolen property every single week. Didn't your mom tell you not to do that? Yeah, his livelihood is uh, based off of victimizing others, many of whom have never harmed another person. God. 
in America, God bless her, we have legitimate forms of protest. We have the right of free speech. Yeah, you can complain <laughs> outside of the jury room, yeah. citizen. When you come in here, you obey our rules. That's right. No, you cannot change these rules, Mr. Prosecutor. I don't care. These rights have been codified inside uh, common law for a millennia now. You see what happens when people start talking about liberty, when people start talking about these things, jury nullification. One TV show brings up jury nullification, and prosecutors across the country, you know he's not the only one. You know he's not the only one that's very upset about this. Um, We have the right to free speech, and we have the right to assembly. The series of tubes known as the Internet is probably the greatest vehicle ever for exercising both of these fundamental rights. But, of course, you can't talk about jury nullification on there because you're committing a felony in Texas. (laughs) Jackass. Well, if you encourage them, apparently. Jury nullification is not a legitimate form of protest in any more than robbing a bank is a legitimate form of protest against unfair lending practices or this the subprime mortgage crisis. This man is so steeped in the law and the system, he doesn't understand what protest is. And he doesn't, you know, his definition of legitimate is anything that doesn't violate his precious laws. But in my mind, the most legitimate of protests are those that violate laws. In the words of, uh, to paraphrase Martin Luther King, uh, you know, it's his. It's your duty as a as a good American to to break bad law. Yeah, sorry, uh, and to do it publicly. So yeah. So what are we left with? You ask. What recourse do we have against the tyranny of the evil war on drugs? Well, in America, God bless her, we also have something known as democracy. And along with the right to vote, we have elected legislatures whose precise purpose is to enact the will of the people. As though <laughs> they do that crap, and as though democracy, um, it, it you know, in in fact works. Um, even if even if the, these uh, representatives are elected democratically, which oftentimes I, I kind of doubt, especially this guy talking from Texas, uh, home of uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, um, you know, I think that he's a, you know, a little little sanctimonious sounding, but, I, you know, when you're thinking about it, democracy doesn't matter. If I have a really great idea and it requires funding, I can't go around and rob people for that funding. I can't get to tend to get together ten of my friends and do it. I can't get get together a thousand people and do it to do it. But if I can get fifty one percent of the voters, it's okay for me to fund my thing, uh, my my little idea through violence and coercion. No, it's not. By his rules, it his is. rules stink. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, which is why I'm encouraging you to break them. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Wish you were in Texas. Take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there for free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. The features include uh, the bulletin board system. Over 340,000 posts. Lots to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. FreeTalkLive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at FreeTalkLive.com and do business with businesses that support FreeTalkLive. Let's go to the phone calls. Talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on FreeTalkLive. Hello, John. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, good to talk to you. Yes, sir. I had to pick up the phone here when Mark was wondering aloud. He sounds like he's pretty informed on this, uh, but he was wondering aloud if this is written law. 
And I think what he said after that, Mark, I think what you said after that is much more important because people can argue whether it's written or not, going back to the Magna Carta and whatever in history. Uh, what you, what Mark said or just uh, right after that, it's an inherent right. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether it's written down. It doesn't matter what group of people were, went and written down things when and where and how. You know what? You can go back more than a thousand years, like Mark was saying. You can go back to biblical times. You can go back to Roman times. The jury system has evolved, but it is an inherent right. And if we are anything as jurors, we must exercise the right. It's a natural right to defend our community against aggressive law. See, these lawyers are aggressors against us. They sure are. Last week or so, and I'm a little bit behind on the podcast. I've been busy doing some other stuff, getting my health back in order and mm. working out in the club and all this stuff. So I'm catching up on the thing. Uh, but there was a case that somebody brought up fairly recently, the past couple of weeks, I guess it would be. He was talking about Amy Carter and uh, Abby Hoffman, a Boston case. And I was thinking, uh, Ian, you, yeah. you might be young enough that you weren't even recognizing who Amy Carter was when he said that name, or Abby Hoffman. I've re- I recognize Abby Hoffman. He wrote uh, Steal This Book, right? He did. He he was a big-time uh, 1960s... Uh, he was a yippie. ...part of the Chicago 7. Yeah. The Amy Carter, who he was referring to in that case, unless I'm sadly mistaken, and I believe I'm not, I'm not doing this to try to draw in President Carter's daughter into Amy Carter's... Uh, to, to, to Abby Hoffman's thing. I believe that was... President, you know, the president of the United States, a former president. You, do you, can you wonder why the prosecution allowed, so-called allowed, the necessity defense? See, mm. they use this thing, the necessity defense. Mm-hmm. They allow that when they want to. Mm. It's an inherent right. The prosecutor will allow it when it's Amy Carter and Abby Hoffman. I see. But they won't allow it if it's you and I'm the juror or if it's Mark. And I'm the juror, or if you are the juror and I'm the defendant, we're just all regular people. But it's okay in certain conditions. Mm. Interesting You know what? We've lost, we've lost something that is so precious. Mm-hmm. This is the last line of defense. Some people like to say the bullet box, or the cartridge box, as I guess they call it, or the soap box. This is the jury box. This is when we can non-violently stand on our box or in the case, sit in our box, mm-hmm. sit in there with that jerk with the black robe, and in some cases he might be a perfectly good, or he or she might be a perfectly decent human being who might care for the same principles that this country was based on and founded on, and if they don't even care about this country, just personal liberty. It doesn't matter. One person, you know, they, they pat you on the shoulder every two years and say, you know what, your vote... You know, like me, every time since I turned 18 years old, I voted for the most liberty-oriented person that I could find, and every single time, the opposite happened. But they pat me on the back and said, you get to have your voice because it's a democracy. Come back, and if 51% does that, then you win. On a jury, you don't need 51%. You need one individual who says... Right, that's a great point. It's the last stand that a person can have for liberty. Uh, Like, the last true stand. 
Well, yeah, in the within the system, you mean? Yeah, yeah. John, thanks for the call tonight. Great call and good observation. It's you know your vote on the jury is actually a vote that really does count. Yeah. You know, um, Thomas emailed something during the break here that I I wanted to uh, pop in. It's about three lines long. It says, uh, "Your question, uh, the answer to your question is found in the first twenty words of the Sixth Amendment. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury." There's no mention about a judge anywhere in that amendment. Mm. But the judge tells the jury, you judge the facts, I judge the law. Emphasis is mine. That oath is bogus, and the jury can ignore it. Well, once again, it goes back to kind of what we discussed last night about how the cops, maybe it was a couple nights ago, but how the cops will lie to you. Well, guess what? So do the other government people. Everyone knows politicians lie. We're now learning that cops lie. They're trained to lie. And so is anyone surprised that the judge and the uh, the lawyers and the prosecutors have all gotten together and essentially conspired to 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 make the jury clueless about nullification, to to essentially lie to their faces about what the uh, the truth really is about being on a jury, is anyone surprised by this? I it, well, the, the prosecutor goes on jury nullification for all its noble prose and uh, libertarian philosophies behind it has no place in the modern criminal justice system. That's right. As a prosecutor, I you commit, will obey. I commit my jurors to follow the law, and I ask if they can promise to do that and convict if I prove my case to them beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a proper and appropriate question. Um, and, uh, no, you know, it's not a proper and appropriate question because I have a right as a citizen to sit on that jury. I'm part of this system. And the fact that you'll keep me off simply because I know the law and I'm willing to use the law mm. is reprehensible, sir. And you should spend time in the prison you send people to for doing it. Wouldn't that be delicious? I'd love to see more prosecutors sit in jail cells. If you disagree with the war on drugs, that's your free gift from our justice system. You are hereby exempted from jury service, and there's no shame in it either. I often ask my panelists if, for reasons of personal conviction or belief, they simply cannot follow a certain law. They have the opportunity to speak. And for jury enthusiasts, I should add that uh, the voir dire is conducted under oath as well. I do not ask anyone to enforce a law that they are dead set against. If it would violate their conscience to do so, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you cannot or will not abide by your oath and follow the law. What is wrong is calculatedly concealing the fact for the purpose of subverting the legal process that can and should lead to troubles that are, to borrow from the wires writers again, far from fictional. This guy is scum. Uh, you know, he's an excellent writer, though. I must he's, say. Just, he's just basically saying that uh, we only want sycophants on our jury. We only want people yeah. that are going to rule in the way that we want them to rule. Mind-numbed dullards that uh, you know just ju- you know just want to get in there and and get out as quickly as possible. Yep. You know, so many, so many juries I've uh, I've, I've seen the stories on are just it's they're just awful and. I just don't want to leave myself to these people that they know how to call out and they know how to pick. And now they're asking me, the the prosecutors are asking me to help them? Screw you. Come and get me. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You bring up whatever's on your mind. You can take control of the airwaves. I'll take my rights. You keep your laws. That's why. Hey, yeah. like it when you talk that way. More coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.
Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the site for your downloading convenience. Enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. The world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun show is April the 11th through the 13th at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent. Helicopter rides and 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. It opens at 9 a.m. It's 10 bucks per person. That's knobcreekrange.com. Knobcreekrange.com. 800-259-9231. Continuing with your phone calls, you can bring up anything. Let's talk to William on the amp line in Tennessee. Hello, William. Hey. I was just thinking that the... Uh um, jury nullification idea could be our quickest li- way to liberty, simply because you doesn't take very many people to to rule someone not guilty. Yeah, you're right about that. It only that. takes one for, uh, from uh, out of twelve. That's about eight percent. That means we only have to get eight percent of the people in any one area to start giving uh, care and uh, accomplish it that way. Well, it's not quite accurate, though I agree with you that uh, jury nullification could be a very important component of achieving liberty in our lifetimes. You also have to remember that they pull in different states, they pull jurors from different places. So, for instance, uh, you can't just... You can't just get 8% of the people on board with jury nullification. Some places, they pull jurors from driver's license, so you'd have to get you know, 8% of drivers. And also, you have to remember right. that uh, even if you can get 8% of all potential jurors, you also have to remember that the juror selection process is built, built to discover people like us and oh, yeah. keep us out of the jury. So what really is most important, I think, is to get 100% of the people that are going to possibly become jurors, and that can easily be done. Uh, for instance, here in Keene, they only select jurors on a once-a-month basis at the Superior Court. I, I called recently and, and found this out. So it would be a relatively simple activist activity to get people out in front of that courthouse on a once-a-month basis, handing out uh, jury, fully informed jury information to the potential jurors that are walking up there because normally when you've got jury selection it happens at a certain time in the morning and they have to be there by a certain point so it's usually like 9 in the morning or 8.30 and then there's a, probably about a half an hour before that that people will start to show up so really all you have to do is focus your efforts on that 30 minute window and hit every single person that's coming into uh, to be a, a juror with some, with some information now not all of them are going to take the info from you but a good percentage of them will and so that way you've got maybe, you know, 25 to 50 percent of the potential jurors sitting in the courtroom the day of selection with a fully informed jury association brochure in their hands. And if you keep doing that month after month after month after month, there's really nothing the, anybody can do about it. Right. I mean, you can really literally yeah, cover everything. you don't have to overturn all the cases. No, that's true. That's you true. You only have to overturn a few of them. And when the prosecutor starts seeing that these, these, uh, slam dunk cases are getting overturned by juries, then people are going to start freaking out, and then you're going to start to see the revolution. And, and you'll, well, I, um, I, I don't know that I, I necessarily believe that uh, jury nullification is the fastest course to liberty, um, because it really only, it only confronts a few issues. Um, you, you, don't, you see a lot of drug cases out there, but you don't see a lot right. of uh, tax cases and that kind of thing. And personally, 
if if you pick if I pick my one issue that's important to me, I'm going to pick taxes. It, you know, the drug war isn't important to me in the sense that it affects my life. Now, it I think it's important that I protect other people's freedoms and liberties, but most people are only going to do what affects them. And right. you know, a lot of people that do care about the Constitution, liberty, and that kind of thing, they don't really care about the drug war. Big fat hairy deal. I think it's an important component, though, and yeah. I think that I think uh, it's a good thing. And I think as far as inside the, the system activism, yeah. uh, I think it's really effective, much more effective probably than uh, lobbying I, Congress. I or think whatever. that if you pair oh, yeah. it with what I consider to be the most effective, um, you know, uh, thing you can do for liberty, which is moving for the Free State Project, if you pair it yeah. with that and do um, jury nullification activism here in New Hampshire, you'll have a lot more luck because. Who's doing jury, jury nullification in your town right now? I, I got to tell you though, there's not much going no, on no here one, right now. Yeah, that's what I, I need to find a job in New Hampshire. That's what I'm looking for right now. Because if I get employment up there, I'm coming. Have you signed up yet? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm okay. I got to find a job by the end of the year because uh, it's it's coming, creeping up on Come me here. Do. What kind of work are you looking for? Uh, IT work. I do uh, uh, accounts uh, receivable, payable systems. Um, you know, that's one of the things uh, that might be a problem because uh, there are so many IT-related uh, Free State Project members, so there's probably a lot of competition for right. those jobs. Uh, well, but, we just need to start our own businesses. Well, there you go. And, or maybe you can find something you can work online with. That way you don't actually have to have a physical office uh, to go to. That might be a possibility as well. But what I would recommend is you go to freestateproject.org. They've got a forum there. There's a job section in the forum, and they've got some help on their website as well as to different resources right. that you can go and plug into uh, to keep your eyes on uh, potential available jobs. Uh, and you know, even if you can't get a job in the area where you want to work, Perhaps you could get a foothold in something else and just, you know, work elsewhere until something opens up. That's a possibility. I don't know if you want to make make that leap or not. But, William, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Of course, I'm now being told after the fact uh, for uh, William and anybody else, I guess, looking for an IT job to call SACL CAI. Apparently, uh, Jason over there might be looking to fill a position or two. So that's good to know. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your calls. And talk to Jeff in Reno. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to make a few comments. Uh, well, I wanted to make a statement about Ron Paul, but before I do, you know, I'd like to, to state that, you know, the media or the intelligence agencies uh, that, you know, have, I think, tried to, to hamper his uh, campaign, you know, I... I think that people need to consider, you know, if any any uh, election laws have been violated as far as blocking potential votes for Congressman Ron Paul. And if anybody knows anything about that, I wish they'd call the election commissions because I'm certainly going to. Uh, but in any event, I'd like to state that, you know, few men in, in the U.S. government have been so vitally uh, involved in a lot of the issues and events in the nation or, or the world, for that matter, and, you know, I'd like to say that he's been a leader in discussing and exposing our broken government and problems that are vital to the nation. And he's actively promoted the return uh, of government to its proper constitutional levels. And he's basically continuing to advocate a dramatic reduction in the size of federal government and, again, return it to its constitu constitutional principles. And he's also pushed equal and civil rights for Americans and it, you know, guided important legislation through Congress. And, you know, I think he's pioneered new solutions that will repair and reform our broken government. He certainly 
has made a lot of... Are you reading from notes? No, I'm, I'm just saying he's certainly made a lot of critical speeches, such as the 9-11 charade. He talked about withdrawing from the United Nations. He wants to abolish the IRS, and he's exposed the Federal Reserve. And I think that he's the most qualified American for president of the United States. I think he's the right leadership for America. You know, I don't know um, what the American people are thinking, but I mean, well, this most is of what, them don't know about Ron Paul. This is what the United Paul. States is all about. Everything that he's saying, everything that he's trying to do, is what this country was founded on. Well, there you and, go. Jeff is uh, Jeff has endorsed Ron Paul and uh, did a nice little Ron Paul summary. Thanks for the call tonight, Jeff. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'd say like everything see, there was pretty accurate. Yeah, I'd like to see Ron Paul elected president too. Uh, president too, but I. Don't know. Um, it, it, it's difficult to imagine it's going to happen at this point. It looks like McCain's sewn up the uh, Republican nomination. Most um, Americans, to answer his question, most Americans don't know who Ron Paul is. I don't think, because most Americans don't pay attention. I think, to I think a lot more a lot more know about him than than did before. Um, that's that's true. Their concern is uh, his electability. I think um, is what the big concern is. Is uh, you know I don't know where this magic electability comes from. I think Apparently, it, the anointing of the media. Yeah, that's pretty. That's you know what? That's exactly where it comes from. Um, and he just didn't get quite enough in the media when he did get coverage. Uh, somebody would always say, "Well, it's not like he's got a chance anyway." Yes, the quixotic campaign of Ron Paul. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But he's still out there, and his campaign is not over yet. No. So while it may seem as though uh, McCain has it all sewn up, you never maybe know. He doesn't. And like Could James, have a heart attack. yeah, maybe he'll die. I mean, he is kind of old. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy them on us. Uh, by the way, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send in 3 bucks a month, and we take that money and reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations across the country. So if you like the idea of more new ears coming across the message of Free Talk Live, new people encountering Free Talk Live and the message of liberty and freedom, then go to amp.freetalklive.com and get on board. You'll get perks like access to the AMP-only chat room, forum, as well as the AMP-only call-in line. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Continuing with your calls, Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paula. Hi, guys. I was calling you all about something very important. We need to have everybody call their representatives. Um, oh, what is it now, Paula? What is it now? Okay. Uh, it's what's going on is that uh, Hillary and McCain have to back out of the race because they were not born on the sovereign soil of America. They were born somewhere else. In really? Brooklyn. Hillary was? Yeah. She was, was brought in here at three years old, and um, McCain was uh, came from Scotland. He was born on an island. I no, was, you've got your Panama. information way off, Paula. No, it's uh, matter of fact, he was even on Rents.com the other night. Yeah, but, well, that's not credible. McCain was was born. Well, in no, they pa- said Panama. he was born on an island. Okay. And, he's, and matter of fact, it's McCain's name is real. Maybe nice. he was born in uh, maybe he was born in um on in an island in Panama because he was born at a military base that's in Panama. That's not American sovereign uh, land. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not uh, proposing that I uh, am the legal scholar that could confront this. Um, well, we've I already discussed this, and we found out that it is true. They they will have to uh, back out of the race. Who's we? <laughs> I checked with some of the uh, people up there in Washington about this, and they said, "Yeah, that it's right. You have to be born on American soil," and they weren't. 
Well, I'm surprised the, they haven't now, told McCain about that. Well, now the McCain, well, of course McCain knows about this. There was a New York Times article about it, uh, about how he was born in Panama. And they said that they, you know, they checked it out back in 2004 when he ran back then and everything checked out. So far, no one's called him on it this time. I mean, the New York Times well, brought it up. Well, they're going to. I just, I just talked to the right. Republican Party. I hope you're right. And they're also going to press this for Hillary, too, because she was, she was brought here at three years old. Where was she brought here from? Uh, they didn't say. They said her grandfather was a Russian Jew. Hmm. But anyway, um, the thing is, she's not from anywhere. You have to be born on American soil. And so I've already taught Republican Party and Democrat Party both. All right, Paula, get it done. It's all on you. So is Obama going to be president then? No, no. I think think Ron Paul will have more of a chance now with the amount of the picture. Paul is going to knock McCain out of the race single handedly. I I hope she. He's not even mentally stable. Uh, I'm with you there, Paula. And get it takes off one to the know. Walls, he pees in his pants. There you go. <laughs> get on that fax machine and let people know. Thanks, Paula, for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Single-handedly going to take McCain out of the race. That woman She's a dynamo. is powerful. Dynamo. All right. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the email box. Apparently, Mark, we have a progressive listening to the show now. A well, self-styled progressive. And he has written a couple of different emails in regards to a couple of things we've said on the air this week. So let's jump into it. Minimum wage is the first thing he wants to talk about. Oh, progressives do love the minimum wage. He says the price of oil, the cost of manufacturing and transporting goods has raised prices. We're warned about it every time the price of gas rises. Why don't you study states like Colorado and Florida, which have much higher minimum wages than the federal for years, and tell us how those states aren't in the crapper? Well, um, I I don't know um, the specifics on uh, Florida and Colorado. I can tell you that Florida has an advantage as far as the economy goes in that um, it you know it, it draws people in because of its great weather. But what I can uh, I'm hearing a, an already argument from expedience here, and my question is, if w- one of these states uh, allowed armed robbery and it was good for poor people, would that make it okay? If murdering the rich and putting their heads on pikes and slaughtering their children was made legal in a state because they're rich and bad. Mm. Would it be, and th- th- therefore the, the poor people did better for a time, because it would only be for a time, would it then be okay? Because that's, that's an, it's, it's an argument from utility and, and expedience there, and I, I, you know, I, I'm not hearing... Well, I think what he's saying here is he's suggesting that we said something, one of us said something on the air that I don't think was said... Uh, I don't think anyone suggested that the states with the highest minimum wages are, you know, doing worse than the other states. There are so many different economic factors. I don't think any of us made that claim that if you've got a higher minimum wage, then your economy's worse automatically than the the state next door with a slightly lower minimum wage. I don't think any of us made that claim. I don't think so either. So he's putting words in our mouth, and as you'll see, it's not the first time he'll attempt to do that. Uh, we were talking about the minimum wage as how it uh, it does lead, in many cases, to increased prices. But we also pointed out it wasn't the only thing that led to increased prices, and it certainly isn't the only economic factor. The biggest economic down, uh, you know, the the biggest negative factor toward the economy is government involvement. Period. Right. And and, and he claims that it's uh you know it it it's bad for poor people or it's uh, you know it helps poor people and that kind of thing. But what it really doesn't do is it doesn't help the people that need it the most. People that are disabled um, are often kept out of the job market by minimum wage laws. 
Oh, I know. We'll just give them free money, which is fine. You can do that, and that's what we're doing. Um, do it with your own money and collect it voluntarily. I, I would agree with that. But what about the people that are disabled and want to work, want to have jobs, and want the uh, you know the good feeling that comes from working? Too bad. He goes on, he says, you're not right-wingers, but your arguments are. And outsourcing is about maximizing profits. Tech support and customer service is not a product. It's not sold. It's an obligatory service. It's a drag. That's why it's done on the cheap. That's also why people in tech support well, try that's to sell... Not true. That's not true at all. Look, um, I've, I've, I've worked with companies where, you have to get tech, where I have to get tech support, and it's been bad. And I've worked with companies that I've had to get tech support, and it's been good. And that's true with customer service uh, in the same way. And believe me, I'm more likely to do business with the companies that have good customer service than the companies that have bad. So it's not a drag. Well, he believes that uh, that companies are all cutting costs in the world of, of tech support because all companies are evil. Now, he doesn't say that, but, you know, that's kind of the mentality here. Well, right? we can't put words in his mouth either. That's true. Uh, he says here, that's also why people in tech support try to sell services to you to subsidize it. I work in tech support. I know it. But you can't say that Nike runs sweatshops in China because we forced them to. Don't think we did say that at any point. Nope. Uh, I don't know if Nike does run sweatshops in China. Uh, I know that sweatshops a loaded word. Yeah. But I would uh, I would say that sweatshops are a good thing. What do you mean? Well, I, you know, with a place where a person would willingly go to work every day at a sweatshop, there must be a reason they're willing to go work, to work every day at that sweatshop. Because although maybe they're, uh, you know, they they don't have OSHA over there, and maybe they lock the doors. I don't know. I'm just saying. Suppose I, I have no idea if they lock the doors on these factories. And uh, he people, claims he get this people claim. burn and fires in the in, inside. But I know that those people that get locked in that factory do know that they lock the doors, and those people are choosing to forego a life on the farm. Which probably you know makes them far less money, and it's the job in the in the sweatshop that they consider to be the preferable one because they go there every day. They're not yeah. holding their children hostage. Well, he does claim that those shoes cost a few bucks to make and are sold for hundreds. Yet the kids who make them are practically chained to sewing machines. Practically chained, huh? What's that mean exactly? Well, that wordplay. I, I, what that means is they're not chained. Right. <laughs> it means that they're not supposed to get up from their workstation, I mm-hmm. suspect. I suspect they have uh, very uh, stringent rules on um, you know, when they're allowed to use the bathroom, when they're allowed to take their breaks. They're probably not the breaks that we would consider to be acceptable breaks mm-hmm. as far as our time frame. The work would we would probably consider to be unacceptable, too. And... We're not making those decisions. Actually, we have made the decision. We have made the decision not to move to China and not to work at those fa- that factory. And I'm happy with that decision. However, there are people over there that th- it, it seems to them that that's the only decision they get to make. And what this guy proposes to do is to take that decision away from them. They, he wants to take it away. For some reason, they're deciding that it's better to work in this factory than to work in a farm someplace. I don't know if he wants to take it away. He probably wants to mandate that all the factories be just like they are but here in America. But then they'll go away. They're not going to be in China. Look, if if the if the factory wanted to have all those regulations and wanted to have those minimum uh, you know uh, wage requirements and wanted to have um, you know and could afford to produce shoes for people that they would buy in the United States with uh, all the great OSHA regulations and all the break time rules and all the child labor laws and all that other stuff that we didn't have a hundred years ago when our economy was in the same shape China's is in now. They're a growing economy compared to ours, and, you know, so if they wanted to do that, they could. 
and they would ch- and they would produce five hundred dollar pair of shoes, and no one would buy the damn things. This guy doesn't care about children in China. What he cares about is socialism. He wants things the way he wants them. Mark, he says you're just apologizing for evil and cheap CEOs who run businesses with spreadsheets trying to operate on the extreme of the black instead of operating out of the red in the middle of black. No, I'm calling a socialist a socialist, and I'm calling... The fact is, it's evil. You want Chinese children to starve. I've got more from this guy. We'll talk about it in a moment here. 800-259-9231. Evil and cheap CEOs. Are we running cover for them? We'll talk about that here in moments and take your calls as well. In hour number three, this is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. In the middle of an email, actually got a couple of them from the same guy. Uh, and it's just, we love opposition here on this show. We don't get enough opposing phone calls during our weekly program because we just need more radio stations on board at this point. Uh, but occasionally if an, uh, a nice opposition email comes in, it, they tend to get priority. So this one from Jeffrey. He's a so- self-styled progressive and apparently he hosts his own podcast. Well, He's you know, part of the progressive podcast network. That's great. Um, you know, progressive really is, uh, it's terminology for people that are willing to steal to get to what they want. It's just another term for people that are willing to steal but to get what they minute, want. But wait a minute, Mark. Do you think most progressives know that they're advocating theft? I'm going to tell them right now. The fact is, what, first you've got to ask yourself, what is stealing? I'll give you a definition that works for me. Taking something that doesn't belong to you, either through subterfuge, threat of violence, or violence. Subterfuge, like a person who breaks into the house while you're not around. Violence. A person who beats you up and takes your wallet. Threat of violence. A person who pulls out a gun and says, give me your wallet. All of those are theft, right? Mm, yeah. Um, you know, you, you can fi- figure other examples, but I think that those three pretty much sum it up. All right. The government threatens to put you in jail or take away your property under or shut down your business in every single instance that it collects taxes. Now... I don't care whether it's just you or whether it's you and ten of your friends stealing to get what you want. If it's you and a thousand people stealing to get what you want, or you and 51% of the voters in a given town, city, state, or country demand using, uh, you know, stealing to get what you want. I don't care. The fact is, stealing, stealing. And that's what these progressives are proposing. But wait a minute. I want to steal from people who have in order to give to people who don't. I want to uh, regulate businesses, you know, through the force of violence or shutting them down so that people will be safe. I don't believe that people have enough common freaking sense on their own to figure out whether something's safe or not. Let me, let me step into the role here of the, uh, the, the so-called progressive or socialist, whatever you'd like to call them. But, Mark, it sounds to me like you're not talking about theft. You're talking about making excuses for not paying your fair share. Um, hold on. How did it become fair? Well, you, we all have to pay. Who's we, we live all? In a, 
all of us. We live in a system, and we've all agreed what to... What if I don't to, want to participate in your system? Am I free? You live here in America, and here in America, we have a system where in we America all pay... In America, is a free country, right? That's right. Am and I part free of the freedom not to per- participate in your have, system? The reason we have that freedom is because we all pay our fair share to government. So you're saying I'm free as long as I'm not free. Is that what you're saying? Because I'm not free not to pay. You can twist your words if you want to. I'm not twisting any words here. You're saying I'm forced to pay, so therefore I'm free. I'm not free to be free. Well, you're free to not pay, but you you might suffer some consequences from that because you have to pay your fair share. So you mean I'd go to prison where I wouldn't be free? Well, maybe not prison. Maybe they do something else. But, uh, you know, hey, I pay my fair share. So you're free not to be free? Look, why can't you just get with the program? Because I don't like your stinking program, and I don't want to participate. I see. You hate poor people. Isn't that what it is? I hate people that force me to do things that they don't want. Now, I actually donate to uh, charitable causes. My question is, how many progressives out there do? Because this has been checked over and over again. There are studies out there. The people that claim to be progressives, they aren't generous with their own money. They're only generous with other people's money. Mm. They say there's a lot of rich people out there that, well, they must have done something bad to get that money. I'm not rich, by the way. I just don't believe in stealing. Um, they say they must have done something bad to get their money. So, well, let's take the money from them. Fair is fair, isn't it? Well, no, it's not. Well, back into the email here from Jeffrey. He says you, because he started out talking, for those of you just tuning in, he was uh, trying to, I guess... Call us out on the minimum wage issue. Here. My question is, um, if he's a, if he's a professional podcaster or a podcaster, part of the uh, progressive podcasting network or whatever it is that he's uh, claiming there, why didn't he call in? I mean, you know, he's a he's, he's a trained. Too, I'm uh, sure he's too busy for, you know, to do that. The likes of us. I don't. We'd love to have him call in. I th- it's a lot. It's always more fun to have uh, someone who opposes us on the phone. It's just that we seem. It seems like most of the people that that uh, want to oppose us these days, they call in, they get a shot out, and then they leave. Well, they hang that's, up because, the phone. that's because you can't argue with our very, very consistent stances. You're right. Well, anyway, he says you're just apologizing, Mark and Ian, for evil and cheap CEOs who run businesses with spreadsheets, trying to operate in the extreme of black instead of operating out of the red in the middle of black. You're like robots who say, well, the computer says this is what we should do. Talk about some weak I, I don't, points. I, I don't mean, think that I'm a robot because, well, I'm not a robot. And my mom taught me what right and wrong is. And she taught me that no matter what good idea I might have had, have, I can't go around forcing people to do it. I can't use aggression. I can't use threats. And I can't use the cops and the system that uh, exists, the, the guns of government. Because I'm sure this progressive here probably considers himself to be a rather peaceful individual. But he's willing to use cops and uh, the army to get what he wants. Mm. Because that's what's got to be used in order to force people to play your game. You've got to use guns and violence and threats of violence and force yeah. and aggression. You know what? I don't think he gets... I don't think he really understands where we're coming from. Maybe he's only listened to an episode of Free Talk Live. I, I, you can, I, I could get it. If you'd only heard an episode of Free Talk Live, then you might not really understand the Liberty message or what we're trying to communicate here. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say he's barely listened to the show. I don't think he's understanding our position. No one here is apologizing for evil or cheap CEOs. Right. As a there matter are fact, definitely some business out there, businesses out there run in ways I don't agree with. 
But what I would suggest you do, Mr. Progressive, is that instead of whining to mommy government about how you want to change things with your force, which is what government is, government is force, instead of whining to mommy government, why don't you shut the F up and go start your own competing business? If you don't like the way somebody is doing business, go out there and get started and compete with them and take all the, you know, take all their great employees away from them and take all of their opportunities and all their market share away from them. Right, because obviously what you're doing is the right thing. People must be good people. They would want to participate in a program where somebody's doing the right thing. Yeah. They would want to participate with a business where somebody's doing the right thing. Fair trade coffee would be a good example. But, you know, progressives aren't very confident in their plans. They'd rather use, um, you know, an, an oppressive government to get what they want rather than, and, and by the way, conservatives are the same way when it comes to uh, moral issues. Sure. Uh, you know, they'd rather use an oppressive government to get what they want rather than the the the, the arena of ideas than you know, getting people to voluntarily uh, subscribe to what it is that they would like them to do. They'd rather hurt people and threaten people to get what they want. It's lazy. It, it's, it's really laziness. Absolutely lazy. You know, you just don't have it, do you, Jeffrey? Mm-hmm. You don't have the business acumen. You don't even think about running your own. You probably don't run your own business. Odds are, odds are against it. Because if you did run your own business, you'd be thinking more from an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset and you would consider these things that we're talking about. You would consider going out there and competing. You would see if there was a, uh, a, a company that was being run poorly that you were aware of, you would see that as an entrepreneur. You'd see that as an opportunity to make money. You'd see that as an opportunity if you don't want to make money. Let's say you'd see that as an opportunity to help those poor employees get a better place to work. You could go and open up your own competing factory in China and give people jobs where they get to take smoke breaks all the time, just like here in America, where, you know, 15-minute 15, 15 breaks every four hours or whatever the, the rules are that we have here. You and could I think do that those, that. Are, those are good rules that a company could set up for itself because the employees demanded it. Now, the fact is, I've got the choice every single day to go to my job. Now, I happen to work for myself, so... I've made the decision not to go to work for somebody else, but I made that decision. I chose to do it. But in a world where the progressives or the conservatives or whomever gets to decide how things are going to go, you don't have those freedoms. Those people simply want to control you. SACL CAI toll-free line is 800-259-9231. If you're a so-called progressive, you want to come in and take up Jeffrey's position against us, you're welcome to do so. We'd love to talk to you about it. Calls are on the line. We've also got another email from Jeffrey. Maybe we'll get to it tonight, maybe not. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up, we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh you need to know about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. How much do you spend on coffee? JustPlainJoe.com offers over 60 different flavors, roasted to order from gourmet Arabica coffee beans in whole bean or ground at just $7.99 a 12-ounce package. It's roasted uh, fresh to order, JustPlainJoe.com. Most orders are delivered within three business days via UPS. Buy five packages, 
Save on shipping. That's JustPlainJoe.com. 800-259-9231. To the phones we go. Klaus in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hello, Klaus. Klaus, going once. Klaus. Dean, Mark. Hey. How you guys doing? Super. What's on your mind? Um... I don't know. I think I'll I think I'll jump in the ring with you guys here. I'll take the position of the of the guy that's not there to defend himself. For you. <laughs> well, I don't understand why he's not here to defend himself. Uh, where I lean, but I think I do have some good points to make about some of the stuff you guys were just saying. All okay. right, very good. I just like to let you know I did email him and I I encouraged him to call in. So maybe we'll get lucky. You guys should. You know what? You should email him, ask him for his phone number, and call him. Um, can't do it. FCC has rules against it. Oh really? Uh, unless okay, somebody know, somebody has to know they're on the air and agree. If it's the first thing you say when you call, I think you're, you're on okay. the air. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could call them ahead of time, get the producer to set it up or whatever. But anyway, yeah. hey, listen. All right, here's, here's the, the bell. Thing. Go ahead. Here's the thing. If I go to uh, if I go down and I buy that pair of shoes, those Nike shoes, mm-hmm. okay, at the store, they cost whatever they cost, right? I don't have a problem with that. However, however they make their shoes, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that they used to make their shoes here. So the people that were making the money before were the people that live here in our country, and then they were able to use that money to, you know, live and whatnot. So, so now instead of, the, instead of the people having the money in their pocket here, the corporation has moved their company there, thereby keeping all the extra money they get to make because the wages are so low, even though the shoes don't cost any more to make. They just get to keep all the profit instead of it going into the pockets of Americans. That's where I've got a problem. Well, I, I, I don't I, want to tell them. So stop to buying do. the shoes. Right. I can, I can see the uh, complaint there, but, um, you know, that's, that's really what I'd have to say is don't buy those shoes if you don't like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't buy those shoes, but, but the point is, is it, doesn't, it, it could be shoes, it could be shirts, it could be whatever it is. Right, it could be whatever the, it is. All the American corporations used to sort of just kind of be confined to the borders of America just simply because there was some sort of a uh, – it seemed to me like we were working together to build a great country, and all the people and all the workers were coming together. Now, what you were saying earlier – Who's we? Hold on. America is, is we, and we are building a great company? It seems to country. me that, that the uh, – excuse me, a country. Um, we, the, we, the workers uh, of that company, were building a great company right. and a great country. So, I, you know, exactly. I, I, I don't see that uh, – and because of those, they're workers, not obligated to do anything for you, dude. <laughs> no, but the, yeah, no one's obligated to do anything. But the thing was, is that uh, at some point in American history, uh, labor decided that they were an important part in whatever was going on with the, with these corporations. In other words, uh, I can tell you this: I am an entrepreneur. I do own a company, and uh, I'm a contractor. I uh, I build telecommunications facilities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity when I started my company. I could have been a non-union contractor or a union contractor. And I gave my employees the opportunity to decide for themselves what they wanted to do. They chose to be union. I gave them a choice. I could let them meet with the two unions that were uh, representative of that trade. Uh, they let them decide between what they wanted to do because, you know, see, the bottom line for me is I make all my dough off the backs of my employees. In other words, those guys, you know, hey, look, I make a healthy, I make a healthy profit margin off my my hourly rates. You greedy corporate yeah. bastard! <laughs> I am corporate. I am corporate. I'm incorporated. But you know, the thing is, is you know, the guys, the guys work hard, man, and they deserve. You know, and the, uh, look, Americans are having a hard time. Everybody's upset because a lot of these jobs went away, 
And uh, you know what? They're not coming back, man. Well, one of the reasons they went back. away is because um, American workers in the in the form of uh, labor unions were just a little too greedy. Well, and then there's the government regulations and the yeah, well, minimum wage know, and you know, various other reasons. Unions, there's the unions themselves, and then there's the workers. You know, I mean, there's just like there's uh, uh, you people know, just didn't, like what people you guys didn't don't take like responsibility the for the com- companies that they worked for. They said, you know what? Screw the company I work for. All I care about is me and mine, me and this this union, and I'm willing to do what you know. I'm willing to uh, you know sacrifice the company. I do you th- do you think the employees of Delta really gave a damn that now currently their company's just on the ropes because of all the uh, the, the the incredible wages that they were getting there? Pilots for Delta yeah, I know made. Is the, is the thing Close is, to six figures. Pilots for Southwest look, make like 30. Look, realistically, organized labor is the only place in America where people are actually getting paid according to the cost of living and according to what it costs to actually just subsist yourself. How America. is it that all the people... I, I don't that, know where you get that information yeah, from. Yeah, that sounds like fantasy. Where do I get it from? How I mean, is it all at, the people that I know aren't members of unions and yet they can make their themselves... Well, how are you, you know, guys the on the radio paid? if you're not a member of the union? What union? No, are, you guys, are you guys rat union people? No, there's only union people in, like, New York City. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't have to be a broadcast. You don't have to be in the union to be a broadcaster? Thank goodness I don't. I don't think I'd be... I, I don't know if I'd be in a, in broadcasting if I had to join I a union. Well, I I like... I, I want to check into that. Um, but, but, but how, but anyways, hold I was on. Just taking, we, if I we were you in a union, don't. who would we, we... We own this show. Who would we uh, manage to subjugate? Uh, well, I don't know. It's just I, why don't you join the telecom uh, owners union? <laughs> the reason, the reason that um, you know, the reason that this, look, here's the thing. All right, what is a it? Non-union contractor, he charges like these contractors come in. They're non-union. They come in. They charge exactly the same dollar amount as union contractors. The reason they do that is because of all the all the people that well, were, were before them that had to fight for every one of those dollars, and these guys come rolling in and uh, charge the same amount of money. It's the same exact thing as the tennis shoe thing. You know, I, I hear you. If, you know, absolutely, uh, non-union uh, you know shops manage to benefit from the negotiations that unions have made. Sure, right, but they don't take care of the workers. See, that's the problem. See, they, how can you workers, make a blanket the statement go like in there that? And they do exactly the same job, but they get paid less without any kind. No of... No one's forcing them to go work there. Klaus, health benefits. You know, Klaus. <laughs> no one is forcing those workers to go and take those jobs. It, no, it's a not, voluntary choice, and so clearly you, it's acceptable you, to them. You guys are lucky enough to be, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff. But I mean, have you gone There's out? There's no and luck tried to involved in being an entrepreneur. Hard work. Yeah, well, man. I mean, if if you were out there depending on um, working for other people, and uh, you had a job over here, and uh, this guy was willing to pay you twelve bucks, and and the other guy, the other jobs were thirty bucks. But um, this guy's willing to hire you right now, and you got to make your car payment this month. Dude. I'll that, take what you know, I got to take, gonna, man. You got to do what you got to do. I've been in that labor. world, dude. Plus, every one of those workers is an entrepreneur. They have a monopoly on their own labor. They get to choose to whom they sell that labor, and uh, you know, they get to make that decision. They're the, they're just as powerful as you are. Thank in that you for the call, Klaus. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I appreciate him trying to take the uh, the ball and run with it. For the the poor progressives. I mean, their position's indefensible. 
They want government to get involved in between that agreement, in between the agreement of employee and employer. And we say leave it to the marketplace to decide. You don't like how someone's treating their employees? Start your own business and treat them better. That's how the marketplace works. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those including live streams, broadband version, and dial-up versions of the show, both free for you at freetalklive.com. Also, uh, if you're thinking about starting a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents like patents, wills, and trademarks. Use the code FTL to save 10 bucks off your order. That's LegalZoom.com as we go to your phone call. Ziggy in the U.K. on the amp line. Hello, Ziggy. Hi, guys. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, um, basically I wanted to comment about uh, liberals and the media. Okay. And the way that liberals are very lackluster when it comes to creating their own media. And I think this is because they suffer complacency. They expect the state to do everything. Mm. Um, You know, like regulate newspapers and regulate TV and I had a liberal the other day say that if liberals came to power here that they they would make sure I should explain, during general elections we do have a fairness doctrine Hmm. which, you know, all parties get equal time, including including the minority parties here which is fair enough during general elections however, the rest of the time you know, basically only the two major parties get um, you know, the majority of coverage However, a liberal said to me, you know, they would install, you know, a, uh, uh, um, a law saying that broadcasters would have to give equal time to, to, to all three parties at um, it, throughout, you know, any period. And uh, now, Ziggy, I was shocked. Before you go I, on, I, are there are there private broadcasters there, or is it all yeah, uh, yeah, BBC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've got uh, Murdoch as his own satellite network. Okay. Oh. Um, and I would point out Murdoch here supports Labour, which are the uh, Social Democrats. Mm. Um, well, he has been seen I, palling I around think... with uh, Hillary Clinton here, I think, mm. interestingly enough. I, uh, anyways, basically, I think the fact is Liberals don't have the DIY ethic, which Libertarians have. DIY, libertarians do it yourself? Go, yeah, yeah, do it yourself. The, the old punk, you know... You know, when punk sprung up, there was all sorts of uh, people were just publishing magazines on toilet paper, basically. <laughs> you know, um, and and basically, liberals don't do that. And that is why, uh, you know, if you go on the net, you'll, you'll, you'll go to the Google directory, left libertarianism is non-existent. Uh, sorry, left liberalism there is, is, is non-existent, whereas, you know, there's th- you know, far more sites dedicated to libertarianism. I'm sh- I'm actually a little surprised by that because I mean they certainly are busy in the world of print media. There are plenty of uh, you know uh, liberal liberal slanted uh, weekly rags that you can you can get, for instance, in many areas of the country, at least around here. 
Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of liberalism in print media, and certainly there, uh, you know, the the editorial boards of many newspapers are certainly composed of what many would argue are left leaning people. Seems that way to me. Uh, so I, I think generally, though, I think you might be right. May, perhaps they figure that you know it's whatever's out there is out there, and it's just too much work for them themselves to go out and do it. Maybe you're just, you're making a general statement about most liberals. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd also make, um, I can actually tell you, I, uh, uh, about the Greens, I mean, I was, also, I was also surprised by, funny enough, the lack of radical, uh, radical um, environmentalism there is on the net. I was having a look around, and there isn't actually that much. Um, but I have met, you know, I, I have a friend who is a member of the Green Party, mm-hmm. and I actually proved that the Greens, who are socialists, um, are actually all about the politics of envy with this front of environmentalism. Because I said to them, okay, do you have an objection to a a person driving around in a Bentley powered by renewable energy, which doesn't have any carbon, you know, uh, um, whatever? And he said, uh, oh, yeah, too big a car. You know, know, but basically a lot of of socialist belief is... About the politics of envy. It's about the fact that the guy down the street is better off than they are, and they don't think that's fair. So mm. use the guns of government to even the odds a little bit, or even yeah. things yeah, out but, after the yeah, fact. Yeah, basically that, 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 that's that's the bottom line. However, there are one or two, and I, 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 I will say I will say this: there are one or two who have good intentions, who do care about the poor, who do care about the vulnerable. But half the time, you know, you say to them, "Well, fine, go and work for charities." Oh, I can't do that. The government should do that. Mm. Well, no, get your hands dirty. You know, these are people who, if they saw beggars on the street, would cross the, uh, to the other side of the road. Yeah. In, in real life. You know, whereas libertarians are not. And this is absolutely true. I know, I know a prominent libertarian said to me here, he doesn't give money to charity, he, uh, homeless charities, he gives them directly to the homeless people, because at least he knows they get the full amount of the money he gives. And they go right out and buy some alcohol with it. Siggy, thanks for the well, call tonight. That, we appreciate that's it. That's choice. Thank you, sir. Cheers. 800-259-9231. I don't recommend giving money to the homeless unless you happen to know the person. Uh, I would recommend if the homeless person is asking you for something and you feel like you must give them something, give them a sandwich or an apple or something like that. Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of organizations out there. Goodwill, Salvation Army um, are both great organizations that I've been involved with that I've donated to that I think that uh, you know do good work. I'd like to ba- I'd like to back up what Ziggy said. I was trying to, you know, certainly make some counterpoints to him, suggesting that there are plenty of liberal newspapers out there. There are some liberal talk shows out there. Uh, there are a couple of them that are relatively popular and growing in popularity. Uh, Ed Schultz is is the most popular of them. I think he's number five, like in the rankings of all talk show hosts. He's up there in the top five. Mm-hmm. And I think Stephanie Miller is one of the up and comers. She's supposed to be funny, I guess, making politics into a joke. I. Of course, politics it is, is that, a joke. But uh, it's usually a really bad joke. Right. So uh, so they are out there. But I think generally his point is correct in that I've seen it happen here in Keene. The liberals here, some of them, and again, we're talking about the most politically active of the liberals, right? We're not talking about the rank and file. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can really talk about the rank and file because the rank and file libertarians aren't out there creating their own media either, right? So... We've got this TV station here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we live, uh, called Cheshire TV. It's a local cable access channel, which means that it's available to anybody. 
anybody that wants to come into into Cheshire TV and create a program can do so. Mm-hmm. It only takes their time. It will take you your time, but as long as you're willing to invest your time, you can have your own TV show. In fact, you can even take a show from outside of the area that's not even your show, and you can put it on the air. Now, it won't have the priority that created shows created in Keene have, but you could still, even if you didn't want to make your own shows, you could go and find some shows you like and put them on the air. But what do they do, the opposition here to the liberty movement? They complain. Right. They just want you to stop airing libertarian stuff on the television station. Right. The station They don't manager. actually come in there and fill it with progressive stuff. They right. just complain. Because libertarians are Johnny on the spot at Cheshire TV creating content and putting it on the air. It gets the establishment very upset. Now, we're presuming the establishment are liberals because Keene is a primor- uh, primarily liberal town. It's the most left, you know, one of the most left-leaning places in New Hampshire. And so they get very, very upset, and they'll call the station manager and complain about the libertarian programming that's on the station. And the manager tells them the same thing as he tells anybody else. It's a public access channel. You're welcome to come down and make your own show. Yeah, Lee's awesome. Yeah. And they never do. I mean, they might have now. I don't know. Maybe there's a new liberal show there now. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But from, from what I can tell, they have not bothered to do so. And I think it's what Ziggy was saying. It's, it's this complacency factor. You know, it, the government's already moving in their direction, so they they probably don't really feel as though they have a real need to go and and advocate for more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they see things they don't like, all they can all they do is complain, and they try to get the station shut down, or they try to implement some new rules or something like that. It's always some sort of administrative uh, punishment as opposed to getting into the marketplace. That's because and they don't they don't mind using government, which is only force. It's only aggression. Right. They don't mind using aggression against other people. Because, and it goes back to what we were saying. They claim before. to be peaceful, and it's, they're not. It, it goes back to what we were saying before. It's laziness. It's laziness. Instead of actually putting laziness some effort and, in. And, and immorality. Right. Instead of putting some effort in and creating your own program to compete with us, they don't even bother. They just complain and they hope to get it shut down. Luckily, we've succeeded and they continue to fail. And we'll continue to create more programs and put them on the air. Haha. <laughs> more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. If you make it right now at 800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Enjoy the show. Want to help support Free Talk Live? Shop with us at the Free Talk Live store. And that's at store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. Also, we've got an auction going on right now. If you go to auction.freetalklive.com, you can place a bid on the second banner on our website. You'll have it for an entire month and can pr- promote virtually anything. Uh, so go and get the auction uh, details at auction.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls. Dave in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Dave, California, going once. Hello. First of all, I want to give you guys a big salute and a big thank you. If you recall, yesterday we kind of had a heated discussion on the UFO cover-up, if you recall. Yes, sir. Yes, Dave. Well, I got over 800 emails from... I kept seeing FTL, FTL, on my computer this morning. FTL. And I'm going, what's FTL, FTL? Everyone was a UFO discussion. It stood for Free Talk Live. So you gentlemen definitely have my $3 a month, and more than that, you gave me the time 
to tell you some of the information of the cover-up that was going on. Let me give you a compliment, Dave. Dave, you have to be one of the best smoke blowers that's ever called this show. <laughs> 800 emails. Come on. Give me a break. What'd you get? One? For every person that's on talk radio, there's 100 that don't call. That's true. You're right. Now, I'm going to stand by. But why are they emailing you? Smoke. How how would they have known to email you, Dave? Did they all just hear your voice and they knew that it was you? You did say you were the like the did, the did owner give, of the UFO museum, right? UFO Audio Video Clearinghouse. Uh, I was on your show once before. You go to Dave Aaron UFO, and people remembered that. Not only that, I did a national television show for over four years on Fox. So, so you're telling that me that you, you, you're telling, because you never pl- plugged your website before, you're telling me that people just recognize your voice and send you emails out of the blue that said, hey, we heard you on Free Talk Live? I'm telling you, gentlemen, what happened. Whether you want to accept that or not, and I'm thanking you, is up well, to you. Well, I, I appreciate that, Dave. It's just, it's shocking to me. And, and, you know, that's the concept of the show, Dave, is it's Free Talk Live. You can call in about anything you want. I'd like to say I'm glad I don't get 800 emails in a night. Oh, that would be insane. In a night? I think well, we... I tell you, I didn't count each one personally, but each email is about 25 pages. And it was page after page after page, so I stopped counting after 12 pages. If you divide 12 into 25 emails per page, what do you get? About 700 emails. There you That's go. 90% all have the initials FTL. So obviously, no matter what you say, you guys are doing something right. All right, that's Free good. talk live. Very good, Dave. So what are you calling about tonight beyond uh, blow smoke up our butt? Dave? You know, you guys are about the rudest son of a bitches I've ever talked <laughs> to. Maybe the CIA men in black should do some experiments on you. You know, I just am not used to this, Dave. He's not uh, used to the compliments, yeah. Dave. Don't Why don't you to go it. to my email site? I'll give you my no, no. password. That's okay. And then you can apologize to me on Monday. How does that sound? I'll apologize to you right now, Dave. What did you call about tonight? I called to thank you for the time you gave me oh. yesterday. Okay. Nothing That's else? That's what I called for. Nothing else? Nothing I, else? Dave, I would response, like to talk about the Roswell. Uh-oh. I want here to talk about the Roswell incident, um, you know, right here. I don't know what I believe as far as aliens and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm relatively certain we're not being uh, visited by uh, intelligent interstellar life. But the government covered up what happened at Roswell. It absolutely did. And that's the biggest problem. What the hell are they covering it up, and why did they do it? Um, First of all, I was the editor of the Roswell movie, not the television series, but the Showtime movie Roswell mm-hmm. that was produced by Paul Davis. I was the executive editor on that movie. So when you tell me that I'm blowing smoke, gentlemen, I know what I'm talking about. Actually, I, I didn't that say that. between each other, it would be nice. No, I, I didn't say that, Dave. That's, uh, that's, my, that's my partner, Ian. Whatever happened at Roswell, I'm afraid we'll never know. But I can tell you that an incident occurred. Do you know who General Easley was? No. He was the commander of the 7th Army Air Force at that time. On his deathbed, they went to him and asked what happened at Roswell. And even on his deathbed, he said, you know, I'm still under national security. So whatever happened at Roswell, whatever it was, we'll probably never know. However... The 175 witnesses that all came up with different stories, could all 175 of them, to borrow a phrase from you gentlemen, be blowing smoke up people's nose? I, 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 they came up with different stories? 
Well, some of them claim they saw alien bodies. Other ones took part in autopsies. Other ones saw uh, Mac Brazel, the rancher that started it all, saw this debris on his property on July 2nd. Remember, Roswell didn't have freeways like it has today. He went to town when uh, Jesse Marcel came there, and Jesse Marcel was the information officer at the Roswell Army Air Force Base. He said, wait, this is something strange. So when they went and reported to their commander, uh, General Easley, he said, tell Walter Hoff to release a press release that we have captured a flying saucer. And if you remember that headline from 1947, you may be a little too young. Yeah, a little on But it says, Army Air Force Captures Flying Saucer. Well, immediately a radio station in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and in Roswell, New Mexico, put that story out. Within 30 seconds, they were told to cancel that story and come up with something else. 30 seconds? So today, Who so told today, them that? Those of us that blow smoke up our nose think it was a weather balloon. Dave, who Those told them to cancel the story? What's that, who told Who told them to cancel the story 30 seconds later? Well, that's generally known. It was a, came over a teletype to, to cancel the story at the radio station. And uh, anybody that's listening out there, which I know there's at least 800, or 800 will be on the Internet by tomorrow. Oh, there'll be thousands. Call Free Talk Live. And let's get you guys some information and education about what happened in 1947. Gee, that's so relevant to what's going on today, Dave. Why, why is it even relevant, though? Because, let, let, let's give me a second here. Do you remember the movie, of course it was fiction, remember Independence Day? Yes. yes. Okay, so when you wake up one morning and all of a sudden the whole world has changed because of a cover-up, that the government kept going for 50 years, you're going to go, holy moly, where's that freeze-dried food I heard advertised on Free Talk Live? Now, where, um, what am I going to do, besides getting freeze-dried food, what would <laughs> I be able to do about it if the government did tell me that there are aliens coming to colonize Earth? Well, that's not going to ever happen, but you can probably bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Here's what I, I, I want to know. I think I'd rather not know. Here, <laughs> here's what I want to know, Dave, and we're short on time because we do have to get to another call here, but what I want to know before you go tonight is why do the aliens have to be all, I don't know, what, what's with the all skir skirting around and just kind of flying under the radar and trying not to be noticed? Why don't they just come down and, you know, get off the, the spacecraft and, and say, take me to your leader. Just say whatever they, they're going to say. Why, why do they have to be so, uh, why do they have to try to hide? What's with that? Excellent, excellent question. Let me ask you the last time you went up to a giraffe and tried to teach it English. I went where? What? You, you went to speak to a giraffe in English. Oh, a giraffe. What, now, you're uh, telling me the alien... Could, we, not, wait, in other words, we could be so far removed from whatever intellect controls these crafts, it would like you be trying to communicate with an ant. You'd hmm. be curious about how ants build houses and how the red ants and black ants fight. That's a good answer. Uh, but you surely He's wouldn't try to communicate before. with yeah. an ant and try to tell him the theory of relativity, would you? Dave, good, good, good answer good tonight. Answer. I'm sorry I was so rude to you. Uh, thank you for the call you tonight. Well better, it. You're hey, a big the show by now. Thank Thanks, you. Dave. I still don't believe the 800 email claim. I, it's, yeah, I, find it, uh, it, I find it amazing, but... You know, it it very well could have happened. You know, um, if he hadn't if he hadn't opened with that claim, I would have been much nicer to him. But uh, you're just cranky. Come on, That's you got all. he got maybe one email. I don't know. Let's go to Dave Id, David in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Dave. 
Yeah, I was David? calling in about uh, wages and jobs. Yes. If you want to put an uh, arrow right in the eye of the monster that's consuming our jobs and wages, you got to free America to green Nazi control. And that means, like, the the Endangered Species Act mm -hmm. is being used as a club against the workers. If it doesn't grow out of the ground, you got to dig it out of the ground. And, and it's just gone absurd, and it's putting putting us out of out of our own treasure. Yep. We we have the technology and the smarts to have common sense forestry, mining, fishing and everything. And right now we have this uh monster that's that's just clubbing us to death and and it's making us depend upon on on frivolous stuff it's uncle sam beating yep. us up that's the biggest monster out there in the world is the uh, the u.s federal government there's no doubt about that david thank you for the call it's been ian here with you and mark you can take control tomorrow night we'll see you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com the cynic says i started losing my hair and there was nothing i could do i wore a baseball cap because i was self-conscious the believer says I started using Abacore two months ago, and already I'm regrowing my own hair. My bald spot is going. No caps for me. Are you a cynic? Abacore's formula is FDA approved to regrow your own hair in as little as two months. Abacore's topical formula contains the only ingredient approved by the FDA to regrow hair without risk of sexual side effect. Call right now and ask about getting a free month supply of Abacore and receive boost just for trying Abacore. Boost can make your hair visibly thicker with its first application. Call 1-800-451-8920. That's 1-800-451-8920. This is a limited time offer, so call now. Call 1-800-451-8920. 1-800-451-8920. Or log on to avacorradio.com.